and welcome to Products of Immigration. This is Stephanie. And this is Puran. And we are kicking off our first episode today. Um, so welcome. Welcome to Products of Immigration. Um, this episode, we're going to focus on an intro to what the podcast is going to be about, what can you expect in upcoming episodes, and a little bit about, oh, sorry, a little bit of a background on who we are, what we do, and what inspired us um, to do this podcast. So, Steph, can you tell us a little bit about how you even conceived of this concept? Yeah, sure. Um, so, actually, the way that I thought about it was I started, um, so obviously we know what's going up, what's going on in the news. Like, you know, immigration is a huge topic. Um, do we open up our doors? Do we not? What do we do with those who are already in our country um, and are here illegally? Um, right. I think for me, is I started thinking about, you know, the positive things about immigration and, and essentially the products of it. And and I think when I think about the products of immigration, I think about you and me. Mm-hmm. So our parents immigrated into this country and, and we're the product of that. And the work that we're doing is the product of that. And I started thinking about our friends and, you know, how we have friends who are lawyers and entrepreneurs and, we, and, and people who are, are in public service and just doing these amazing things for our society and just shaping what, what our country is today. Right. Um, and I think sometimes when we're having these conversations, we forget to surface those stories and surface those contributions. Definitely. And I think... Uh, when Steph brought this up up to me, I I agreed that this isn't really a narrative that that we hear about much. We kind of hear more of the contrast between kind of us being, you know, I don't know who, but I guess like the natives, people who have been here for generations and generations versus like new immigrants. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was just, you know, like Steph said, a big component, a big portion of people whose stories have not been told. So when she brought it up, I said, I, I agree, we, we have to shine a light on these people and the, and the positive impacts that they're making so that we can have, you know, a great, a more balanced picture of who immigrants really are and, and what exactly they're doing here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so through this podcast, we aim to highlight again the products of immigration, the positive impact immigrants have had on our community and how their contributions are shaping our society. Products of immigration will feature um, potentially first or second generation immigrants um, making waves in their fields. Their stories will highlight the struggles and triumphs throughout their journeys and will speak to our, I'm sorry, speak to how immigration enriches our country. So, Steph, um, why don't we tell everyone? you know, who we are, kind of what we've done, where we've come from a bit. So so you guys can kind of get a feel for, for who we are. So, Steph, um, where are you from originally? I am originally from Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah, was born there, grew up there. I'm actually from this um, rather large city in Miami called Hialeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a low to mid um income range um, community. So um, I would describe it as a very hardworking middle class community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just seeing how hard everybody works and, and the culture there um, really instilled a hard um, work ethic in me. Got it. Um, can you tell for those of us who aren't familiar, what's the name of the, the city? Hialeah. 
Okay. Oh, I thought I mentioned. Sorry, oh, I thought did. I mentioned it. But yeah, Hialeah um, is a one of the larger cities within the uh, Miami Dade County. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sometimes nicknamed Havana because Got of it. its large Cuban population. Mm-hmm. I would say ninety nine percent of the people that I grew up with and was surrounded with were Cuban. Um, I'm not Cuban. I'm actually my parents are Honduran, mm-hmm. um, but I eat. We'll eat a Cuban pastelito and rice and beans every freaking day if I can. <laughs> so you're a little Cuban. I'm a little Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, so, and and who are you currently? You So where do you live now? Yeah, I live I live in San Francisco. <laughs> who are you currently? <laughs> who are you? What are you doing here? I, I am a girl <laughs> living in San Francisco. I've um, lived here since 2015. Um, so, yeah, I, I came... Um, lived in Berk in Berkeley Hills for a bit, mm-hmm. and then transitioned over to the city because um, you know commute sucks. And what brought you out here? <laughs> I mean, you're pretty far from home. I right? am. Um, yeah. So I've always been a bit adventurous. Where as far as like where I like to live, I lived in LA and I lived in DC. But ultimately, what brought me to the Bay Area was tech. I I wanted to work in tech. Okay. So I work in tech now. <laughs> okay. And. Uh, where do you work and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. I am a product manager at Airbnb, mm-hmm. um, so which is great. I really, really love Airbnb. I think their uh, mission to ensure that everyone belongs everywhere um, is is just just greatly aligns with with my thinking and what this podcast is about. Great. So you're a project or product manager mm-hmm. at one of the one of the larger tech companies in yeah. in the world um how how would you say that that you're a product of immigration how did your family cuz your parents are are born Honduras in Honduras yes they immigrated here so how maybe if you could kind of give us a, a an overview of how you think you know them immigrating here kind of ties into you now the fir- a first generation um, person becoming a, a product manager at, at a at a large tech company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, both of my parents migrated um, from Honduras to the states when they were quite young. I'm not sure what age my father was. My mom was 19, um, and just listening to her, she moved here when she was quite young and started off working at McDonald's. Um, she had a really strong work ethic from a very young age, and she started working at McDonald's and eventually put herself through school and um, went and worked for Publix, one of the larger companies in, t- in Southern Florida, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And just seeing her, and now she owns her own business, so she's an oh, entrepreneur. Wow. That's That's been her dream wow. for so long. Um, but she, just seeing how she worked night and day and just to make sure that she can make her dreams come true and ensure that me and my brother had the proper education and the proper things to get us t- through college and, and get to where we wanted to be, I think just seeing how hardworking she was really inspired me to um to strive for for everything for anything um, would you would you say i mean it kind of is from what you're saying kind of sounds like she's a, a role model in in that regard absolutely i think my mom is one of the hardest working people at pe- individual i've ever met um she wakes up at four o'clock in the morning oh, wow. every freaking day to wow to get things going and she's just i didn't know that she mm-hmm. is a horse mm-hmm. um and i i you know I can barely get up at six, but <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yeah. Um, but she is just just seeing how hard she works and, and not you know doesn't even hesitate, doesn't blink. Um, she just seeing that really made me realize that if you work hard, if you put in the effort, you can make anything happen. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
Awesome. Yeah, I think um, my mom taught me this thing where she's like, visualize what you want, act like it's gonna, it's already happened or it's gonna happen, and 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 bring it into fruition. That's sort of been um, my method for all these years. Right. Um, I tell a story about like I I once quit a job because I thought I was gonna get another job and I and I got that job. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's not the uh, the standard <laughs> advice. So that's that's no, pretty amazing. No, someone's like, "Why are you quitting?" I was like, "Oh, because like I know I'm gonna get this other job that I I literally just interviewed for," and and she's like, "Well, like how do you know?" And I was like, "I just." I, right. I've had it in my mind. <laughs> that's incredible. I, I'm not sure that's been my experience as much, but it's that's amazing. <laughs> that that that's that's awesome. Um, that's amazing. And so how so between having grown up in in this in the you know in Hialeah mm-hmm. and then getting to Airbnb, kind of what happened in between? Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. What? How? Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> Tell us about. Okay, yeah. Um, a lot of finding myself between those years, right? Mm-hmm. So left um, Hialeah when I was 18 to go to college. I went to Florida State, okay. go Seminoles. Um, <laughs> went to Florida State in Tallahassee, and I was there for two years because I had most of my, I got most of my college credits in high school. Okay. Um, so I went to Florida State. And it was just amazing. Met some really great people. Well, hold on. Friend. You said you got most of your college credits in high school. Can you tell us a little bit how how did you do that? I'm a nerd. Oh, okay. Huge nerd. I'm a nerd. Nerd I alert. Took, got it. I took a lot of AP courses and did dual enrollment through high school. Again, mm. something that was instilled by my mom. I was going full time high school and part time college um, during during high school, <laughs> and you know, again, hard work ethic instilled by my mom and and. She was really honest with me. She was like, kid, you either got to get a scholarship or <laughs> save up some money or figure this out because I can't pay for all your, your, all your college tuition. Yeah. So um, I was really lucky. My high school had really amazing resources and a really great CAP advisor. And I was able to get into dual enrollment. And if you guys aren't familiar with dual enrollment, essentially what happens is you take either morning or midday or night college classes while you're going through high school you mm-hmm. have to fill, you have to fit it into your regular high school curriculum but it pay, they pay for the courses and they pay for the books if you if you qualify mm-hmm. and so i was able between that and ap courses was able to finish about two years worth of credits mm-hmm. um I had enough credits to graduate with my associates before my high school diploma, actually. Um, and because of that, only had to go to Florida State for two years. So saved um, my family and myself about <laughs> two years worth of college tuition. Yeah, that's that's no small sum of time or, <laughs> or money. Um, that's that's very incredible. Um, so you so you got into Florida State and you studied what there? I studied computer criminology. Okay, um, so that kind of sounds like it ties into tech a little. Yeah, so mm. I knew I gr- growing up I was a police cadet, knew I wanted to do something in criminology, um, and I remember doing a rotation when I was a police cadet with the white collar crime department, and I just thought like white collar crime is the future. Like mm. as our tech advances, I, I knew at a very early age, I think I was like maybe fifteen at the time, and I said, you know what? White collar crime is gonna get bigger than what it is today. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna mess around with, with petty theft and murder. I wanna do white collar crime. Um So you're stopping you know, all the <laughs> all the all the hackers who are all the stealing millions of dollars from various companies and people. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was my goal. <laughs> I thought, you know, 
I wanted to sort of bridge what I loved, which was like technology and computers and criminology, and, and I found that in white collar crime. Uh, so yeah, so I went ahead when I went to college. Florida State has one of the strongest, if not strongest, criminology programs, and at the time, the only school that offered com- um, computer criminology. So that's why I went there. Great. And then you graduated, and having graduated, you how did you get to the Bay Area? Oh, well, I guess. Uh, yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So essentially, I did a internship with Secret Service. <laughs> oh my goodness. Secrets. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. The Secret Service. Um, Can't go into detail, but I did do that. And I just... um, She literally... I mean, I'm her boyfriend. I still don't know what she did. She won't (laughs) tell me. So... Um, (laughs) And you still won't find out. And I still won't find out. Um, Yeah, but essentially that um, really motivated me to continue in this white-collar crime investigating path. Not committing white-collar crime, (laughs) but investigating it and preventing it. Yeah. And... Worked for the state for a bit, did some Medicare, Medicaid fraud investigations, worked for the Department of Children's for a bit to um, investigate human trafficking. So I dabbled in in criminology investigations for a couple of years, but kind of just wanted the freedom to create and build and just like get my feet wet in just tech. I was really excited about tech. and Mm -hmm. And I, you know, again, any money, any money movement platform requires some type of um, financial defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved here to work for a smaller tech company Got it. called Gusto at the time. And um, yeah, I kind of kicked off my tech career there. All right, babe, let's talk about you. Sure. So um, yeah. So tell us about you. Where were you born? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I was born in San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, actually in the city of San Francisco. That is so rare. So for those of you who don't live in San Francisco, it is very rare to find a native. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I for the, for those of us who ex- exist, um, I guess it's, it's it's less weird for us because we usually know a lot of other natives who we grew up with. Um, but they yeah, have a meet up like every week. <laughs> They're like San right. Francisco natives, <laughs> kick we out techies. No, absolutely not. Um, maybe a little bit. Uh, so, <laughs> no, but yeah, I was born here in San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. how was that? How was it growing up in San Francisco? Um, and, know, well, mm-hmm. even not just growing up, I'm, I'm starting to think like you've seen the transition of, of San Francisco and like, you know, well, how's that been? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, especially as I get older, because I can appreciate the change, the changes more and understand them better. Um, but you know, I grew up in a part of this city that's called the sunset um it's in in some regards it's kind of the burbs suburbs of the city um it's definitely not a traditional suburb but what i mean by that is just there's a little more space out there there's just a lot of uh you know single family homes there's you know more more chainy kind of there's like a you know some strip malls Mm -hmm. a couple and it's not the the burbs proper but it's a little more like that so to be honest as i was growing up you know, it, it, I don't think it was a whole lot different from growing up maybe somewhere that was, you know, 40 miles out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if I just went 20 minutes, I'd be in the heart of the beast kind of in downtown San mm-hmm. Francisco. Um, but what I would say is that this city, 
changed in the sense that it used to be a lot smaller. There just, you know, used to be less people and it used to be a lot more of kind of an artist, um, a blue collar artist kind of domain. Um, it was slower. Um, things weren't so much about, about money and, and, and business in the way that they are. Who's ruined it? Tell me. Who's ruined it? <laughs> um, no, I, I'm not necessarily, I, I'm not opposed to necessarily to the change. I mean, uh, you know, there's always a certain type of nostalgia, I think, that accompanies the way things change. Um, but, I, you know, I have seen those changes, but I, I, I think myself, as opposed to some other people I know, uh, I, I, to some extent, I viewed it as some somewhat inevitable. Um, there are definitely some, some negative changes, but there's also a lot of great changes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I'm just grateful to, to be here and, and experience it all. And I'm excited about the future of this city and for myself and um, my family and everyone I know. Yeah. San Francisco is so special. I think we have just so many amazing minds um, mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs like yourself. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, it's really rare just to see the amount of entrepreneurship that we see here in San Francisco. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about um, your entrepreneur endeavors. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't actually ha have much of any aspirations to do anything myself until I was in my I'd say mid or early 20s prior to that all to be quite honest all I wanted to do was just get a good desk job I thought <laughs> that's all I ever wanted when I was young because my parents were both creative types who ultimately got nine to five jobs that they you know they were very thankful and grateful for um, but you know I think like a lot of us they weren't living their passion necessarily mm -hmm. my mom went to school for fine art my dad was an amazing musician, but they didn't pay their bills that way. Yeah. So my kind of perspective growing up was, you know, feel free to do your art and your passion, but you got to pay the bills. Right. And that was the mindset I went into college with. I went to UC Santa Cruz and I studied, I got a, I dual majored in global economics and, and political science. Fancy, um, fancy. Um, maybe. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I'm going to, once I graduate school, I'm going to get that good desk job and then I can finally like breathe. That was kind of my mindset. Um, um, yeah. But what happened was I happened to graduate essentially <laughs> amid the great recession. Um, maybe for some of the, the younger folks listening to this podcast, you might even be, you know, you may not be very familiar, but it was basically instigated by the housing crash of 2007 um, so the economy basically went to crap. Um, so, you know, a few years prior to when I graduated, people were basically graduating with whatever degree and coming out of school making, you know, 50, 60K a year. It was almost like a guaranteed, you know, thing. Whereas when I graduated, there was just like nobody was hiring. Um, everyone had a degree. Everyone had a degree. It didn't matter <laughs> if you were like a stem cell major or like you had, you were like, well, it didn't matter. Um <laughs> So, so what did you do when you came out of college? Um, what was the most humbling moment of your life? Uh, the first job I did, which was v v as a hot dog vendor in Union Square in downtown San Francisco. I actually love this story. Yeah. I don't know if I told you. I actually love this story because I think it speaks to your hustle. I think like so many millennials would have just been like, no, I'm yeah. too good for it. Well, let me tell you, I, I, I felt 
that way that I was too good for it for a long time. But I just was not getting anywhere. I wasn't getting a job. And to be honest, my mom was on my my butt. And, <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> and uh, she's like, look, you know, you know, you can't think that you're beneath anything. Like, you need to go out there and, and, and do something. I was like, I didn't want to accept it for a long time, but I just wasn't coming up with anything that I could really, you know, mm-hmm. counter with. So I finally, I needed money. Mm-hmm. So I took that job. And actually, you know, I honestly had a good time. I, I what liked, year was that? That was 2010. Okay. I had graduated in 2009. Okay. Very humbling. But, you know, I had a lot of fun. I, I consider myself a pretty upbeat person, I think. He's also a great salesman, so I, your sales were probably <laughs> through the roof compared to other. Well, yeah, hot I try. I try throwing a smile. I try to, to spice it up a little. I'd be like, "Get your hot dogs here," you know, just like <laughs> you know, just throw a little something. Flashing those green eyes. I do what I could. <laughs> I did what I could. Um, I had fun with it for the time I was there. But anyways, I uh, ultimately I did land that first desk job I was looking for, and I was so relieved. I can't Where tell was you. It? Um, it was, it was at Google. Um, I was a contractor though, so I wasn't a direct Google employee. Uh, It was through a third party, uh, tech staffing firm, Mm -hmm. but I was, I mean, if you would have seen me, it was like, I won, won the, the lotto. Uh, Yeah. Um, and it was great. It was a big deal here. Yeah. So it was wonderful. I, I really am so thankful that I, I got that job. I can't tell you. And I, uh, I really appreciate it until this day. Um, but what I would say about it is that about 18 months into my job, um, I just I just started to get this feeling of, I don't know, just feeling... I call it the entrepreneurial itch. <laughs> yes, I think that's very uh, appropriate. Okay. Um, I just, I didn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I, I just didn't feel like... I was doing what I should be doing, but at the same time, I didn't know what, you know, what better thing I could be doing. So it was, you know, it was just a very confusing time. Um, but ultimately I, I had saved some money and I was paying my bills. I just, I had my, my own place or not my own place. I had my, a room in a, in an apartment. Um, but for me, that was my own place. Cause I mean, that's, it's San Francisco. Everyone has a roommate. Yeah. Um, (laughs) things were good, but anyways, I, I left that job and I, uh, I traveled Mm -hmm. and that felt great. (laughs) Um, and I taught, I ended up teaching English for a year in Israel. Um, and I really, really appreciate having done that because, um, this is, this is a little bit of, of a tangent, but I really wanted to spend time there because I was very interested in that part of the world and a lot of the politics um, at play there and mm-hmm. you hear good things and you hear a lot of bad things and I wanted to see it all firsthand Got to it. make my own you know judgment call. Got it. So I definitely did that having spent a year there and interacted with so many different communities and and came to you know develop my own narrative about what I was experiencing what I saw um, and that was great and I, maybe we'll talk about that some other time but <laughs> I came back. Back to your business. Tell <laughs> us about your business. <laughs> I, I came back and I said, you know, what am I going to do? I, I have some experience now in tech. Um, so I said, you know, I'm going to stick with this tech thing. Um, and, you know, for two years prior to that, I had already started a very small side business, which was performing uh, live music and, and also DJ music for uh weddings and corporate events Mm -hmm. um 
I had started doing that because um, I learned Indian music growing up from my father, who was a very good Indian musician. And I also studied uh, music in public schools in San Francisco. So when I graduated college and I was looking for that first job, I started a small business with a website where basically people would type certain search terms into Google and my website would come up first or as one of the first websites. Um, what search terms? Um, <laughs> so this is a very specific business. This mostly centers around entertainment for Indian and South Asian events. Mm-hmm. So people would type in, for example, um, Indian wedding band Bay Area mm-hmm. or San Francisco or a tabla player or sitar player. So your business is to be your you have an Indian music band. I have an Indian music band and and, and DJ service, also dancers and various other things um, for events. Um, so when I came back after teaching English for a year, I continued with this. I kept growing it, and um, basically current you know as as of now this is my this is how i support myself and mm-hmm. it's it's a business that's kept growing and i um i've put a lot of time and energy into it and, and i'm happy to say it's it's successful that's amazing mm-hmm. um so peron gets a lot of his musical talents and inspiration from his dad who's just an amazing amazing musician mm-hmm. um tell us a little bit about you know your not so much about your dad's story but how like how he instilled music into you so, um, and how that's such a big part of your culture and yes, and your upbringing. So, so when I was a kid, my dad and my uncles um, started a nonprofit charitable organization uh, that basically would go to people's homes mm-hmm. in the Indian community and perform essentially what what I can describe as a church service Got in their it. home. And the friends and family and guests that would come to that service in the home would basically uh, donate money. Mm-hmm. And that money, my uncles and my dad would collect that money and essentially donate it to the Red Cross, American Red Cross, mm-hmm. um, some Indian NGOs, um, basically donate it all. They didn't, they didn't take any of the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a... They did this because it's a principle in, in Sikhism. My dad's a Sikh. Um, and so, yeah, so this is, I, I grew up in this environment where I'd say at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, I would go with my dad and my uncles. And during this service in people's homes, we would perform live music. Got it. So my dad would sing and play a, a, key, a keyboard um kind of uh, accordion-like instrument that's Mm -hmm. called a harmonium, and I would accompany him on hand percussion uh, that's called the tablas, and he taught me that. So anyways, so I grew up in this environment where we were doing this charitable, these charitable performances, Mm -hmm. reading of the the Sikh holy book in people's homes. Um, So that was my first real uh, exposure to music and and specifically Indian music. So I grew up doing that. His dad's legendary, by the way, guys. <laughs> um, Want to share your dad's name? Yeah, so my dad's name is uh, Lockwinder, nicknamed Cuckoo G. Singh. Mm-hmm. Um, He's amazing. Peron's yeah. great. His dad. My dad. Also great. <laughs> my dad. If I'm great, my dad's super amazing. Um, <laughs> 
but he yeah he's an amazing uh percussionist he sings he also plays uh some other various musical instruments sitar and, and harmonium um he's just very charismatic he's 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 a showman i would say um do you feel like obviously this is a yes but that <laughs> <laughs> that his entrepreneurial um you know aspirations aspirations and his musical talent completely inspired you to just chase after your own thing yes especially especially now but i i almost think there's like a genetic component to where <laughs> i i do I believe that. yeah where i i do a lot of or i've done a lot of what i've done and i do a lot of what i do because there's some gene thing that like drives us to do whatever the things yeah. we do um but fair enough yeah um, but I, what I really appreciate about my dad and, and my dad was born in India and ultimately immigrated to the United States, um, is that he, he, he's always got, gone through with, um, or he's always seen through the things that he wanted to do. So he always wanted to have his own business. He opened his own business. It was a, it was an Indian restaurant here in San Francisco and he used his, his life savings from his nine to five uh job to do that so yeah he definitely inspires me and i definitely think that fueled me um to do the entrepreneur entrepreneurial things that i do now that's amazing mm -hmm. all right well let's take a break for a second we'll let's, come back let's do it <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we hope that's given you a bit of insight into who we both are uh and a little bit about our past uh, and how we got where we are. So, Steph, can you tell us a little bit about what we can all expect to hear next week? Yeah, absolutely. So, after this first episode, like I mentioned earlier, we are going to be having some guests on the show. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have some first and second generation immigrants, um, and they're going to be talking about their um, transition, their family's transition to the United States, how it shaped them, the amazing things that they're working on, and just so much more. I'm really excited about these stories that are about to come up. Um, next episode, I believe we have David Concepcion, right. episode two. Mm -hmm. uh, he is just an amazing individual. He works for the Federal Public Defender's Office, has done some amazing public service work, is a fellow Hialeen who lives now in the Bay Area, and I'm, I'm really excited to have him on the show. Absolutely. Can't wait. See you guys later. <laughs> Bye, guys.